Most of you know that my favorite food is Mexican food. Put a plate of enchiladas in front of me and I am absolutely delighted. I am very happy indeed. One of my favorite places to go when I was a child was El Phoenix restaurant in Dallas because at that time El Phoenix wasn't just a restaurant. They actually had all you could eat cafeterias that you could go to and you could order the buffet and then you could get all that you wanted to eat. In fact, my childhood struggle with obesity began with going to El Phoenix cafeterias and eating and eating and eating way too much food. To this day, going to places like that, like to, there's a place in Dallas that's some of the worst Mexican food in the world, but it's called Ponchos. Oh my God. That is some of the most uh, wonderful and horrible stuff ever. And I love to go there and I love to eat and it's dangerous. And you look at me, you know I love to eat. It's one of my struggles in life. At one time, I topped out at 450 pounds. Took me a long time to lose down to where I am today and I got a long way to go, my brothers and sisters. But it takes willpower to do that. It takes effort to do ta- that. It takes tenacity to do that. Or as, as my dad used to like to say, stick to to do that. Because you see, me going into an all-you-can-eat buffet of any kind is walking into the lion's den of temptation. I can see food that I want to eat, and I usually go right after it, even though I know that I shouldn't be eating that much. I shouldn't be eating more than just a simple, modest, reasonable amount. The problem with overeating is you got to eat. You have to eat to live. But you have to have control, self-control. And the danger for me is always going to be, I know what I should do, but I'll find myself not doing it. I know I shouldn't go back for that second helping of chicken fried steak at the first cafeteria or buffet, but I will. I know that I shouldn't go back for a second or third dessert, but I'll find myself halfway there when I realize what I'm doing. It's as if there's a law in my body that says, eat and eat and eat and eat. Even though my mind knows, no, there's something in me that desires that food. The same is true with sin. The very same, in fact, this kind of overeating is an example of sin, sin for me to do. But this is really what sin is about. You have temptation, you have desire, And rather than fill the need that the temptation and the desire truly represent with that which God has provided us, a relationship with God, we fill it with stuff that may be good, like food is good, but we fill it ourselves the wrong way or with too much. For I do, Paul writes in verse 19, for I do not Do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Wow. 
that describes it for me. That describes the dilemma that I have when I'm faced with a massive, wonderful buffet, especially a Mexican food buffet. Oh, my word. Wretched man that I am, I cry out. Who will rescue me from the body of this death? That is what we should all cry out when we are confronted with sin. Sin is a plague. Sometimes we're lucky. We can see and identify our sins. We know the things we're doing that we shouldn't do. We know the things we're not doing that we should be doing. But we don't do those things we should do. And we do those things we shouldn't do. It's the tragic pandemic of sin. We're stuck in it, often beyond our own choosing. Oh, we have the ability to not sin in certain ways, at certain times and in certain places. But at the very core of our being, we can't help but sin. We seek to do things our own way. We go after our own goals, our own agenda. We prefer our own beliefs and our own likes and dislikes over others, even over God's for us. And when we do that, we become focused upon ourselves rather than upon God's will for us. We invariably slip into sin. St. Augustine, the Bishop of Hippo in North Africa, way back uh, 1700 years ago, wrote in his book, The Confessions, sin comes when we take a perfectly natural desire or longing or ambition and try desperately to fulfill it without God. Not only is it sin, it is a perverse distortion of the image of the creator in us. All these good things and all our security are rightly found only and completely in God. Susanna Wesley, John Wesley's mother, counseled him about sin in these following words that can be found in one of her letters to him that has survived to us to this day. She wrote, Whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, and takes off the relish of spiritual things, that to you is sin. Wow. Whatever weakens our reason, weakens our ability to think rationally and know what is right and wrong, whatever impairs the tenderness of our conscience, uh, whatever causes us to say, oh, I don't care about that, or, oh, no one will know, the worst sin for me is late at night going into the kitchen and opening the refrigerator and looking at that uneaten piece of cheesecake and realizing no one's going to know it's gone but me. Huh. My doctor won't know. My mom won't know, although she's living in my home right now, she won't know. Hmm. Wow. Whatever obscures your sense of God. So often sins get between us and God because we desire to do other things rather than 
the means of grace rather than the ordinances of God. I'll get up late on a Sunday morning like this morning. And yes, I could say it was all those fireworks going off until four o'clock in the morning in my neighborhood. But I'll get up late and I'll be rushing to shower and get ready. That I won't take time to say a morning prayer. Thanking God for the joy of rising yet again. Obscures my sense of God. My sense of God's presence, my sense of God's love. Whatever gets between me and partaking of the wonderful means of grace that God has for me in prayer and in scripture and in service and in giving and in the sacraments, that's sin for me. And finally, her final remark takes off the relish, the joy or enjoyment of spiritual things. Have you ever gotten in a situation where what you used to love to do in service to God suddenly becomes a drudgery or work or something that you don't enjoy doing anymore? Whatever is getting into the situation, whatever is inserting itself into that situation that's causing you to feel that or think that, that's sin. It's usually a desire to do something else. A desire to be someplace else. Rather than doing what God calls us to do. Sin is amplifying the self to the exclusion of all else. It's the contrary of the first and second laws according to Jesus. The first law being love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And second, just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Sin often obscures or obstructs or becomes a stumbling block to our loving the Lord our God and loving our neighbor as ourself. What sin is causing you to stumble today? What thing is it that you know you should be doing but you find yourself not doing? And what thing that you find yourself doing that you know you should not be doing? What plagues you today? What virus of sin is worming its way into your life right now? Causing you trouble in your relationship with God or family? or sisters and brothers in Christ. My friends, every time we read scripture, every time we worship, we have an opportunity to hand over to God that which is getting in the way of our relationship with God and our relationship with others. Today, I want you to take a time, a moment, here before the sacrament of Holy Communion, to open yourself to God and to say to God, those things that I find myself doing that I don't want to do, take them away from me. Send the vaccine of your grace that they might be removed from me. And Lord, those things that I know I should be doing, but I find myself not doing, give me the grace I need to do them.
for it is only by your grace that I can. Wretched man that I am, Paul wrote. Paul cried out, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Who will rescue me, in one possible translation, from the body of this death? Who will deliver me? Who will rescue me? Who will snatch me away from the body of this death and sin that I have and am? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, we have deliverance, we have rescue from the body of this death. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for rescuing us from the body of this death. Thank you for your grace and peace and strength which lifts us out of the snare that sin digs for us. Bless us and strengthen us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Let us pull our hearts and minds together now and join in our confession of sin and pardon. Let us pray. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy upon you. Forgive all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Keep you in eternal life. Amen. Today in communion you will be given a piece of bread. As you come forward in either singly or in your uh, family groups or quarantine groups, as you come forward you'll be given a piece of bread. And then you'll be given a cup and you will receive both elements here before the table. You can drop the used cup in the little pitcher over here on the chair to the left of the altar and return to your seat. Please maintain uh, physical distancing as you come forward to receive Holy Communion. In response to several people who have asked questions, not members of the congregation, but people who have watched on the internet and clergy friends of mine, especially who know my particularities about how to preside at Holy Communion, um, the elements of the bread and the cups are covered for safety reasons. Don't know if y'all know this, I, I didn't clean it off like I usually do, but if you wanted to see it, one day of preaching leaves unbelievable number of little specks of spittle all over my screen. It's really, really gross. And so given the proximity to the table and the elements, I thought it's safe and the studies on this subject have recommended that we keep the elements covered even though they should normally be uncovered. Uh, the plate with the bread on it is covered, the cups are covered, and uh, that is how we will preside at communion until the danger passes. Let us take our uh, great thanksgiving, and let us join together. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. 
Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and a joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of the faith. Christ is died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In your prayer.